Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Sunday with the Rev. I'm going to start calling it that because breakfast isn't working out. (laughs) So this is your Sunday with the Rev, and I want to welcome you. So today is Sunday, July 4th, 2021. Happy Independence Day to everyone. God bless America. We live in a great nation, a great country, the greatest country of all countries, and I want to say happy 4th to all of you. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed day. I also want to mention that I've been out for a couple of weeks. I was in the hospital for a little while, had some issues going on. I'm doing better now. However, I may be going back into the hospital for some surgery in the near future. But I just wanted to tell you all that's why I haven't had a cast in, in the last couple of weeks. But today, we're going to jump into things today. And we're going to talk about a real big topic today, but before we get into it, we are going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for just being there for us. We thank you, Lord, for blessing our country. We thank you, Lord, for just your loving kindness to us, the blessings that we had in this country, that when we look back to our forefathers and we look back to 1776 when this country was being fought for, our forefathers believed in, in, in you, and, our for, and you blessed our forefathers for their faith in you. And our country, beyond all odds, since the Revolutionary War, all the way up to today, has been blessed where we have always had... Just... We've always been able to, to get out of things, basically. Or I should say, not get out of things, but I should say, like... We've always been blessed, Lord, with, with your blessings in this country, that when things have hit this country, and it's been bad things that have hit this country, dear Father, you have always helped us through those things. You look at uh, the, you know, the, the Revolutionary War, that, Lord, we should not have won that war. We should not have won that war, and yet we did. We look at World War I and World War II, two wars that we got involved in that, that many of our men and women were killed in, and yet we see that we somehow were able to prevail over the evil of this world. We look at our our men and women in, in the Vietnam War, Korean War, the Vietnam War, we look at our men and women in the Gulf War, our men and women in the in the war on terror that's been going on for a far too long now, Lord. And yet, Lord, you still, Lord, uh, help us, Lord, to make us a great nation and still bless us, Lord. And I thank you for that, Lord. And while we're doing all, we pray, Lord, for those, Lord, that are still in harm's way. I pray, Lord, for those men and women that are still in harm's way, for my fellow brothers and sister veterans that are out there today, Lord, that are defending our country, for those that have defended our country that we lost, for those who gave their life for the ultimate sacrifice, Lord, we pray, Lord, and we bless their families, Lord, as well. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, for those today who are still giving their ultimate sacrifice, Lord, their life for this country. And we thank you for that, Lord. And for all those, Lord, who fought in all various wars, in all various conflicts, maybe some, Lord, that I didn't mention, but, Lord, you know who they are and what they are, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for that today. And we pray, Lord, today, help us, Lord, to venture, Lord, today that we could talk about a topic that many people, Lord, don't want to talk about, a topic that many churches, unfortunately, today, Lord, try to avoid. And we want to pray, Lord, today that you help us, Lord, to talk about that. Help me, Lord. Use me, Lord, as a way, Lord, and a means that I will be able to reach someone out there. Use me, Lord, and a means, Lord, that you're teaching through me, through my mouth, Lord, that someone will come to know you, Lord. 
Also help me, Lord, to understand and know, Lord, that perhaps not everyone out there right now listening to this podcast is a Christian or is a follower of Jesus Christ right now. And help them, Lord, that they may hear something that may help them maybe to question something, Lord, I pray. Maybe question what they've heard from this world that maybe has them wondering things now, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for them. Again, Lord, please, dear God, bless this country, Lord. And we pray in this wonderful, your wonderful name. Amen. So as I mentioned... Again, welcome to this morning, this edition, July 4th, 2021. And as I say in my prayer to the Lord, I also want to make sure that people understand out there, again, that, that you may be listening to this and you may not be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be on the fence right now. Maybe you just stumbled upon this podcast and you're kind of curious, uh-oh, another religious podcast. Let me check it out. And so I, want, I don't want to take for granted that you may know or that you may believe what I'm saying right now. I just hope that maybe if you have questions or something, if you're on the fence about something, I would really encourage you to go out into your community. Find a Bible-believing church. They're out there. Find a Bible-believing church that believes in the Word of God, that teaches the gospel of Jesus Christ, and nothing else. They teach the gospel of Jesus. And I would encourage you, to seek out a church like that, ask them questions, find out what they're about, and learn more. As I've mentioned to you many times, I am a listener of Pastor Greg Laurie, and Pastor Laurie, they have wonderful resources on their website, the harvest.com website that you can go on, and you can actually, they have a a really nice um, beginner's Bible that is sent to those who question, uh, those who ask for more information, and it's free. It's free. Maybe a small donation to them, but the bottom line, though, the Bible is free, and they will send that to you, and you can learn from that. There's a lot of great stuff from there that Pastor Lori puts in there. So, I'm going to talk about a subject today, and let's get into this because this is a subject today that I find many churches try to avoid. They try to stay out of this subject because, much like many illnesses they don't want to talk about the illness they want to talk more about the cure and when i mention this word to you when i say this word to you what this illness is you all will know what the cure is or maybe not maybe you won't but again it's a topic that many people or many churches avoid they find it to be ugly they don't they find they don't really want to mar their church with with this topic they don't really don't want to remind people of how horrible they are they only, want to, they only want to remind them how, how, how great they are now that they believe in the Lord Jesus. And of course, what is that topic? Sin. Sin. That's the topic we're going to talk about today. Sin. Sad news is that, or the sad, you know, the sad part here is that we all have sin. There's, that's, that's a fact. There is no debate that we all have sin. And we're born with sin. Okay? And as a matter of fact, sin is in our nature. Sin started in the beginning with Adam. Adam and Eve sinned against God. But it was really Adam who sinned against God. I think we have to backtrack a little bit and understand what happened. So the Lord created everything. And you go back to Genesis and we see that the Lord created the heavens and the earth, the day and the night, animals, trees, anything out there creation God created in six days. And on the last day, God created man and Adam. 
And, and God saw that man was lonely, and God then created woman. And then there was Adam and Eve. And God, when, and, and it was interestingly enough that when God created man, when, when God created everything else, what's interesting here is that he had said it was good. So when God created the animals or the earth and the heavens and the earth and the stars and everything else, God said it is good. But when God created man, God said it is very good. It is very good when man was created. Adam and Eve were created without sin. They were created without sin. It's the bottom line they were. God did not put sin in them. As a matter of fact, we know this because up until they sinned against God, God communed with Adam and Eve all the time. God was with them all the time. Okay? But what happened was, was that as we read in, in Genesis, the snake that says was the most cunning of all animals, but, the, but it was the devil. And the devil went to uh, Eve, and, and he said, and, and the Lord said to, to Adam and Eve, here is the tree of life, and here is the tree of good and evil. The tree of life, you can have anything from the tree of life. The tree of life was a symbol, mind you, of Christ. It was the, it was the tree of life, Christ, the life giver of all. And anything on there, God said, you can have. But then God said to them, but here's the tree of of good and evil and God said do not touch that tree because when you do surely you will die and God didn't mean that they pluck a fruit from there and they eat it and they die right away just keel over and die no he meant that they will now die because now sin will enter into them and they will die that way which means it didn't mean I believe I believe that it didn't mean an earthly death I believe that God meant a sinful spiritual death because now they will die now in sin okay God said to them, anything here you can have but that tree. Adam and Eve are doing great. Wonderful. Then the devil comes along. And he whispers in Eve's ear and he says to Eve, is it really true what God says that you can't eat from that tree? And I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. What he says about the tree. That you really can't have that tree. That you can't eat the fruit of that tree. And he says, because, and then Eve said, well, it's true, we cannot. And of course the devil says to her, being as cunning as he is, well, I'll tell you what. You do know that God knows that if you do eat of that tree, that you'll become like him and that you will know all things and become knowledgeable, which, of course, that was a lie. <laughs> Nobody could be like God, but Eve didn't know that. Eve being tricked, grabbed the fruit, whether or not it was an apple or not. People say an apple, and it was a fruit from the tree, and she ate of it, and she found it pleasing and good. Eve then went to Adam and brought it to Adam and pretty much asked him the same question. Are we really of not to eat of this tree? It's so good and pleasing to the taste and the smell. And Eve said to Adam, "Are we? You know, we can be like God. And then Adam, who was the, the, race, the head of the race at that time, Adam, that's when sin hit the world, when Adam ate of the apple. And Adam, or, or the fruit, excuse me. And Adam ate of the fruit. And sin entered the world. And immediately, Adam and Eve realized they were naked. And immediately, the only knowledge that Adam and Eve ever attained from eating that fruit was the knowledge now of sin and the knowledge to realize now of shamefulness and to realize they were now naked. They didn't gain any knowledge of the spiritual realm. They didn't gain any knowledge of the universe. 
They didn't gain any knowledge to be able to create things and be like God. No, Adam and Eve gained the knowledge of sin and shame. We call this original sin. And we all have it. And the Bible tells us that if you say you have no sin, that you deceive yourself. That's what we're told from the Bible. We're all sinners. And because of Adam and because of the, the father of, the, of this race, ate that apple, sin came into his heart, and all of us now are born with it. Think of it like a, a genetic disease, I guess if you can say. I, I know it's not the way to really say this, but think of it like that, I guess. That it's something that was passed down to generation to generation, and it was ingrained in Adam's DNA, I guess if you want to say, and therefore it continued down into man. I will say our spiritual DNA. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm using words that I'm, you know, I feel might be the best way to explain this. So please be kind to me. <laughs> so we were have we are born with sin, and we are all sinners. And again, the Bible says. For those of you who say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself. So in other words, if someone says that they have never committed a sin, the bottom line is they're a liar. They're a liar. And it's and nothing is more prominent of that than when we look at the Ten Commandments. When we look at the Ten Commandments. Let's take a look real quickly at the story of the man, the rich man that came to Jesus. He came to the Lord Jesus and he said, he said, he said, Master, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? The Lord Jesus knows the answer already and he waits till the end to tell him the answer. But he asks him, what must I do, Master, to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And the Lord Jesus says to him, have you followed all the laws of Moses? the laws and the commandments. And he says, yes, I have. I have. From the day that I was born, from my youth, I have always kept God's commandments. And of course, the Lord Jesus knows this is wrong because the only one that has ever kept the law and the, of the law of Moses or the laws and is the only one that's ever been sinless from their youth on or from their birth on was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus says to him, oh, you have. Okay, he says, I have. He says, okay. Well, in that case, then, drop everything you have and follow me. And the rich man says, I can't do that. And he turns away and he walks away. Well, what sin did this rich man commit there? For me, it's the one sin that we all commit. And I think when we sit there and we say we have no sin, you are a liar. I feel it was the, it was the sin of covetousness, coveting, coveting things. He was rich, and he coveted, he loved what he had. He put his richness and his uh, treasures before God, and he coveted those things. That's a sin. I once heard a pastor who I like much, his name is Frank, Pastor Frank Freeman out of Louisiana, and he once asked me the question, he said to me, do you believe that there's anybody in the world that might be sinless? And he said, I mean, and I said, well, I don't, I, maybe. And I said, well, no, I don't believe that. And he said, well, so do you believe that there are any sin greater than any other sin? Like, you know, do you believe that murder is greater than adultery? Do you believe that adultery is greater than coveting something? Do you believe that stealing is greater than murder? Do you believe that, you know, do you believe that, that a person can follow all the, uh, you know, a person can follow the first four commandments of 
loving God and being a faithful to God and then follow the remaining commandments that are on there, the rest of the six commandments on there that really tend to the world, he said. And he said, so do you really think that God, do you really think that a person can do that? And do you really think that one sin is greater than the next? And it gave me pause, and I thought about it for a minute. And I, so first question was, I said, well, no, I don't. I said, well, maybe, yeah, maybe there are certain sins that are greater than other sins. And he said to me, well, in the world, yes. In the world, you murder someone. That sin is probably going to have a lot more weight than if you steal something. Murdering and stealing something is going to have a, is going to have a higher rate than perhaps maybe coveting something. Perhaps maybe um, maybe not, or maybe taking the worst name in vain. Or maybe not, you know, keeping the Sabbath day holy. So in the world, he said, yes, that's true. But in God's eyes, he said, is sin, is one sin greater than the other? Is the sin of, is the sin of stealing something greater than the sin of murder is the sin of murder greater than the sin of taking the Lord's name in vain to God he said is the sin greater and I thought about that and, I, and, and it really took me by surprise and I said well I don't know I said I don't know murder definitely is bad and again reminding me again that again the world says it's bad but what does God say and then coming to remember that, then coming to think about this, and I thought about this long and hard, and I said, yes, you're right, I said. You're right. In God's eye, one sin is no better than the other. As a matter of fact, in God's eye, all sin is equal. For we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. It really made me think, and it gave me a moment to pause, and my whole aspect of my life, the whole thought of my life kind of changed. That regardless of what we might think or what we might do, sin is sin to God. It doesn't matter. We're all sinners. And even the sin of coveting something is no, is, is no better or worse than the sin of murder. Is no better or worse than the sin of taking the Lord's name in vain. It almost makes you ask the question, we talked about this a few weeks ago in Romans chapter 7 and 8, where Paul, St. Paul says, what a wretched man that I am because I just can't keep the law. I sin all the time. How wretched I am. For I am a sinner, and I sin, and I can't stop sinning. What must I do? What can I do? For I am a wretched person. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But the bottom line is that no matter what we do, we will always fall short of God's standards. We enjoy sinning too much. <laughs> it gives us great pleasure to sin, doesn't it, though? It really does. It gives great pleasure to the flesh that we are. It gives great pleasure to our, to our human fleshly nature. When someone sins today, when, when we see someone sin today, we actually sympathize with them. 
This was no better than a few than many years ago when we had one of our great leaders of this one of our leaders of this country who sinned against God by committing adultery. And the world forgave him and the world said, "Oh, it's okay. It happens." Because I truly believe, and I did as well. I, I will admit to you, I did as well. And I truly believe one of the reasons why I felt that way was because I really made me feel better to know that I wasn't the only one out there that was dis- that was bad. I wasn't the only one out there that was evil. I wasn't the only one out there that had sin in me. Actually, somebody else even better than me had sin. Sad to even say this, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about the armor of God and we talked about certain pastors and certain people that have sinned against God. When I was younger, it made me feel good to know that, hey, even these great people did it. It gave me great pleasure in in a way because it, it almost vindicated myself by saying, boy, I feel pretty good about this because it actually vindicates my sin. The great theologian Charles Spurgeon said, As the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you, that you, can, that if you cannot defeat it, then you are deceived. Again, let me read that again from Charles Spurgeon. As the salt flavors every drop in the Atlantic, so does sin affect every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there, so abundantly there, that if you cannot, excuse me, if you cannot detect it, you are deceived. You are deceived. In other words, what he's saying here is that the recognition of sin is the beginning of our salvation. And that's from Martin Luther. Actually, Martin Luther says the recognition of sin is the beginning of our salvation. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. But Charles Spurgeon is basically saying here that if you go into the ocean, right, we know that the ocean, every ocean in this world, we know they are that they, they taste like salt. If you were to Take a gulp of salt water if you if you've ever swam and you and you mistakenly go under and you mistakenly hit, hit by a wave, and you gulp salt water. You immediately will spit it out and cough it out because it is the worst tasting stuff ever. It's horrible. And if you do swallow it, I can guarantee you that if you swallow a lot of that water, you probably will end up vomiting it out at a later time. Charles Spurgeon is saying here that. As the oceans are salted by salt, or the Atlantic Ocean, he says, so does sin affect every atom of our being. Think about that, that every atom of our being, and there are billions of atoms, I mean, there's probably more than that, I guess, of our being is infected by the salt of sin. By the salt of sin. And if you say that you do not have sin, you deceive yourself. Now, there are two types of sins. Now, there's a lot of sins. We, we've heard of the seven deadly sins. Okay, gluttony, um, you know, uh, pride. Okay, we've heard of those, but there are two main types of sin. So first, there's the unintentional sin, and this sin means that we know we are sinning, but it didn't really start out that way, right? We didn't really start out doing it. We we know we're sinning, but we really didn't start out to sin. 
It wasn't like we intended it to be like that. It wasn't deliberate. Think of it like this. You're walking down the street, and you see a beautiful car. And for a minute, your brain says, Oh, I wish I had that car. I really would like to have that car. Boy, the car that I have really is not that good. But you know what? I'd like to have that car. That is the act of coveting. The Lord Jesus said, even if you think a thought in your mind, you have sinned. That's how ingrained sin is in our lives. But it's an intentional sin. It's kind of the same as you're walking down the street and you see a very a beautiful woman or even a, a very handsome man. And in your mind you think, very pretty, and you think, all of a sudden pops in your head some, some thought in your head. You're immediately shamed by that, but it pops in your head. The Lord Jesus says, you've already basically committed adultery in your mind. You're walking in the store, and you see something you like. And you say, boy, I wish I could have that. Boy, I'd love to take that. Boy, I think I might just take that. You might not do it, but you've already committed the act of stealing in your mind. Or maybe you're walking a friend or someone that you see, and maybe you get into a fight with someone, and your mind you're thinking, "Why? Well, I wish I just, oh, I hate this person so much. I wish them dead." You've already committed the act of murder in your mind. And the Lord Jesus said that is sin. And the Lord Jesus said it is no better than committing the actual act of what you've done. But those are intentional. Excuse me. Those are unintentional sin. And they're very common. Now, don't mind, don't get me wrong now. It's still in disobedience of God. So it may be common, but it's still very serious. Again, sin is sin. One sin is not better than the other. Okay? And mind you, this is not a declaration of me saying to you, go out there and sin. Okay, because again, the world's views of, of the types of sin is a lot more. But again, I'm not saying that. So please don't think I am. What I'm saying here is, is that to God, sin is sin. A drop of water of sin, or a, or a needle drop of water of sin, of sin in the water, is the same as a big bucket of water or a gallon of water in that same water. Okay? It's sin. It's sin. Now the second type of sin is the opposite of unintentional. And that is the intentional sin. That's the sin that we think about. And we can think of it like this. It's kind of like in our in our court system. In, in, our, in our earthly court system, we have two types of, let's say, just say murder. There's the, there's the, there's the murder, uh, the unintentional murder that might happen out of the blue. It might be uh, you're having an argument with someone. It could be a fight. And those have different, um, there, there's uh, different, option, you know, I'm going to say option, I'm sorry, forgive me, my mind is, is, is just went blank on this, but there are, are, are different ways that you are convicted, there's different weighing options of what they can do for you, or, or convictions, excuse me. You know, you have murder in the second degree, or manslaughter, but a lot of times they say that these were not something that was thought of, they were unintentional, it happened at the time. No better, get me wrong, but it happened at the time. And that might be an unintentional type of sin. But let's take a look at the intentional type of sin, the one that was thought about. Now, let's consider first-degree murder, which has a lot more convictions on you. Actually, first-degree murder can come with the death sentence, 
where second degree murder or even manslaughter, those come with those will come with maybe life sentences, maybe with or without parole, but uh, but definitely not the death sentence. But when a person is convicted of first degree murder, it usually means that they intentionally thought of going out and hurting someone. It was intentional, and that that creates a higher, heavier weight of what you of what you can do to them. And again, it could again be the death sentence, or it could be life without parole. Okay, and that's what that's what that weighs. That's the conviction that that can weigh on them. So this sin is so the intentional sin, or the in, the the intentional sin. Excuse me, is a sin that is deliberate, planned, and then it's carried out. So let me ask you, and we and we I'm going to ask you quiz you and it's a little quiz, which sin is greater? Right. So again. Little question, little little question here. Which sin is greater? Is the intentional sin greater than the unintentional sin? Or is it? Or is the unintentional sin greater than the intentional sin? No. They're both the same. They are both hated by God because God hates all sin. He says so in Galatians 5.21. He says, For those who practice sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. For those who practice sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? So no. So the answer to that is no. Neither sin is is greater than the other. Neither sin is greater than the other. I'm also looking up John chapter 2 verse 15 through 16. You know, and we're looking at this, you know, oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. Hold on a moment here. Oh, sorry. First John, sorry. <laughs> again, this is again. These are um, this is on the cusp here. So here's what the Lord Jesus says on First John chapter two, verse fourteen, verse fifteen through sixteen. And he says here, he says, "Do not love the world or anything. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh." The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes from the fa- comes not from the Father, but from the world. So again, God hates sin, and any sin does not come from the God does not come from God. It comes from the world. So we do not live in the world or the things in the world. Okay, we don't, because if we love the world, then God is not in us. And that really then that really brings a big question into our life. I think it really brings us into the real crooks of the talk today. A friend of mine, my, my friend Chuck, uh, he posted on Facebook not too long ago a question. And he really convicted me. I mean, I mean, when we talk about when you're convicted about something, I mean, I've been convicted in my life, but this really convicted me, what, what he posted. And the bottom line was, the question that he asked was, is it true that God loves the sinner but only hates the sin? And it really made me think, it, it kind of really hit me. It kind of really hit me. Because, I, and I'm not going to lie to you, because in my past I have said to people that yes, God loves you, you're, God loves you, He created you, God loves the sinner, but no, God does not love the sin that you're committing. And, I, and it really hit me at home. 
and I really felt like I want to talk about this. Now, now since years ago, since then, I've, I've realized that that's not true. But Chuck's comment on Facebook really had me thinking and really convicted me that I felt like I want to talk about sin. And that's really the reason why I brought this topic up. Does God really love the sinner but hates the sin? Well, the bottom line here is no. God does not just love the sinner and hates the sin. God hates both. And sadly, there are many apostate churches today that are teaching this today. Many apostate churches today are teaching that it's okay as long as you're a good person because God loves you, you're going to go to heaven. You're not going to go to heaven. And it just isn't true. It just is not true. God hates both. And you have to understand that a righteous God cannot love something that is opposite of him. He cannot. God who is a righteous God cannot love something that is sinful. He cannot love something that is sinful in nature. Let us remember, we spoke about this back in Easter, and let us remember how we spoke when the Lord Jesus died on the cross. Do we remember what I said? When he died on the cross in the temple, where again, mankind was separated from God. So there was a Jewish temple. And then, and when the Jewish temple, there was the one chamber where everybody was able to go into, and then there was the Holy of Holies that only the high priest was able to go into. And the high priest had to there was there was had to cleanse himself there was a ritual that the high priest had to do before he went into the holy of holies to sacrifice for to the for the people to god and one of the things the high priest wore was these little bells he wore it on his it wore, they say that it was worn on his on the seams of his clothes these bells so when the high priest was in the holy of holies and the people were outside the other chamber and they were waiting for the high priest to sacrifice to god for them okay Again, this was a symbol of Christ, okay, sacrificing for the people, okay. As this was going on, the bells would ring and the people out there would know that the high priest was okay. But if the high priest did not cleanse himself correctly or if the high priest went in there and did something wrong, he would immediately be struck dead and the, the tinkling of the bells would stop and the people knew something happened. And actually, the, and actually the Bible tells us they, they actually would tie a rope around the high priest because nobody can go in there and get him. So they would tie a rope around him, and if the st tinkling stopped, they knew something happened, they would actually pull him out of the Holy of Holies. So that's, so again, this was a symbol, again, that God, you could not go before God in your sinful nature. You, you can't do it. God does not love the sinner. God does not love you in your sinful nature. So if you remember, we talked about this in the, Easter, in the Easter message, that when the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, that the curtain that divided the people from the Holy of Holies, the only the high priest was able to go into, the curtain tore from the top down. Now they say when an earthquake happens, if, if something was staked like that, if there was a, a, a curtain or something that was staked like that to the ground, there was, or, or a wall, usually it breaks or it cracks from the bottom up. But the curtain cracked from the top down, which was a symbol now that God was able to now come to his people now through the sacrifice that Christ made. But only to those, only to those that believed in Christ. And we're going to get into that in a moment. 
But I want to read some. I want to read some passages here, if it's okay with you. I want to read some things real quickly from the Bible that kind of give a little bit of an understanding of why God hates sin and why the sinner is not loved by God. Psalm twenty-five, verse ten through twelve: In all ways of the Lord, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful, toward those who keep the demands of His covenant. For the sake of Your name, Lord. Excuse me. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Psalm 25, verse 10. All the ways, again, all the ways of the Lord of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. Okay? Again, I'm gonna read I'm gonna read 1 John again, 1 John chapter um again, chapter uh, 2, starting at the 15th verse. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, the world would have remained with us. Oh, excuse me. They did not belong to us. They would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you now, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lies come from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for, as for you... See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does not, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm sorry. My eyes are, I don't have my glasses, I'm sorry. Let me read that again. Chapter, again, chapter, two, uh, verse 24 of first, of first John chapter 2. As for you, see that you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also remain in the son of the in the son and in the father and this is what he promised us eternal life i am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray as for you the anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need and you do not need anyone to teach you but as his anointing teaches you about all things as and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born in him. John chapter 14. This is the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 21 through 24. 
Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by, the, by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I want to read that again, chapter verse 21 of John of the Gospel of John 14. This, this is the Lord Jesus talking. I want to read this again because this is very important to understand what I'm saying about God not loving the sinner. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. So again, if you were already born because God loves you, how can then this how can this verse even be true? How can this verse even be true? How can you say? How can the Lord Jesus now say that if you love me, that if that, you know that if you love me, then you will be loved by the Father. So how can the Lord how can the Lord Jesus say that the Lord will love you if he already loves you? That that verse is very important. And it really should scare a lot of people. It should scare you. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, who betrayed God, the Lord, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And he will come to them and make our and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, for they belong to the Father who sent me. So here's the Lord Jesus really giving a big rebuke here. Okay? Okay, the Lord Jesus is really giving one here. He's, he's, he's getting down to the crooks of things now. And the Lord Jesus is saying that unless you love me and you keep my commandments, the Father cannot love you. That's the bottom line what he's saying here. This is what he's saying here. Okay, this is what he's saying. And to me, that totally knocks out the whole part, the whole thing of these churches saying that as long as God loves you, as long as God loves you because you were born, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you, it's just not true. God cannot love the sinner. These Bible verses prove that God cannot love the sinner. It proves it that he can't. And let us also read Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those, live, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the, by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Romans chapter 8 five through eight. Let's put it this way. I'll put it this way to you. The Bible teaches us in in Revelation, it says to us that when the Lord comes back to judge the world and the second coming and when the second death comes, the Lord says that the books are open. And he says the books of the life, the books of life is open, or the book of life is open. And everyone's names are in the books. Everyone whose name is in the book of life shall have eternal life with God. And anyone whose name is not found in the book of life will be sent to the lake of fire along with the devil and and the beast and the Antichrist and the demons that come with him. Hell was the hell was set up for the devil. It was set up for his for his demons. It was set up for them. The hell was for them. 
It was made for them. It was created for them. But the Bible tells us that for those who are not found in the book of life, for those that cannot be found there, they will also be cast into, into there as well. The Bible tells us the Lord Jesus gave many parables. And many parables that the Lord Jesus gave had mentioned, also the Lord Jesus at the end of those had said, that for those who do not believe in you, as a matter of fact, it would be a lot of the like the the, the parables of the, the chaff and the wheat, where the Lord Jesus says that, you know, seeds were born seeds were spread upon in the earth and and in there the, the wheat was grown, but inside the wheat there was weeds and chaff that were also grown there. And he says the day will come when the farmer will come and, and they will and he will cut the wheat from the chaff and the weeds and the and the wheat, which is the believers of Jesus Christ, will be will be will be used and will be stored but the chaff and the and the weeds will be thrown into the fire to be burned and there will be much gnashing of teeth and much crying and screaming the lord jesus didn't mix did not mince words when it came down to what it was going to be like as a matter of fact the lord jesus was doing really good in his teaching until he started to say that he was the only way into heaven people followed him many people followed him many people of the wheat and chaff many people of the of the excuse me the, the chaff and the wheat and the weeds followed the Lord Jesus they loved what he did with his with his uh, miracles they loved that he was able to heal the blind and and, and, the, and help the lame to walk and cast out demons and all that he did even raising the dead but when the Lord Jesus said when he came out and he said that he was the only way into heaven, that he was the only way, he lost many of his followers. Many left him when he said that. John, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6 says, And Jesus answered, For I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So as we talked about earlier, in Romans chapter 7 and 8 as I said in a sermon before St. Paul says for I am a wretched person I am a wretched man what can I do for the, for the wages of the sins that I have committed he says are death and I have no way out of them and I, don't have, and I have no way out of them you my dear listener have no way out of these for as Charles Spurgeon has said we are ingrained with sin like the salt in the ocean Every form of our being is ingrained with sin. Every part of our being is ingrained with sin. And that should scare you. That should scare us. That should scare you. That should scare everyone. So, who then can save us? Who can save us is the big question here. Who is it that we can believe in? that can help us well of course his name is the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> there is no one out there that can save us but the Lord Jesus Christ there is no greater person out there there is no greater man there is no greater anything out there that can help us there just isn't as I said as Martin Luther said the recognition of sin is the beginning of, of our salvation Again, the recognition of sin is the beginning of our salvation. We must recognize that we are sinners. 
we must recognize that we are born with sin. That there's no way out of that. That no matter what we do, we are going to sin. No matter what we do, we cannot follow the law that God gave us. The law of the Ten Commandments or any law that God gave us. We, we know that we cannot follow that. And as a matter of fact, we read here in Romans chapter 8, we're going to read Romans chapter 8, verse, starting at verse 1, where, where, Paul answers, where the question is answered by Paul of who then can save us? Who then is there for us? And therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. That gives me great solace to know that I am such an, I am an evil sinner and that no matter what I do, no matter the good things that I can do in this world, no matter how kind I am to people, no matter how friendly or I smile at people every day, no matter how much I bless people, no matter how much I preach to you on here, no matter how much I get on my hands and knees and pray, no matter if I go into a building and I save 50 people from a burning building, it doesn't matter because all of that is dung, donkey dung, before the eyes of God. All of it is. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, we have nothing. And no matter how good we are, no matter how pleasing we are to other people, no matter how much this world says we are great and wonderful, none of that matters because none of it matters because we are sinful and we deceive ourselves if we say that we are not. We deceive ourselves if we say that our sin will not give us death because the wages of sin is death and we deceive ourselves by not saying that. And as Paul said here in Romans chapter 8, Therefore there is no more condemnation in the Lord Jesus Christ, because those who believe on him no longer live by the law, but now live by him. We are free from sin and death. That's an amazing thing. It's amazing when you think about it. It gives me goosebumps. The hair standing up on my arms, because it's just amazing when you think about it. I remember, a lot, I remember there was a... Uh, um, Pastor Kennedy was his name. I, I forgive me. I, I taught me. Don't remember his name, but Pastor Kennedy was. He died not too long, he, uh, a couple years back. But he was a great theologian. And Pastor Kennedy, I remember listening to him one time, and he gave this um, um, talk about sin. And I remember him gave a talk about the day that he would die. I remember he was getting older in life, and I remember he said this, and it really hit me hard. He said in his talk, he's in this in a sermon he gave. He said, he said that I know when the day that I die that when they lower my body into that cold, dark grave, and when they lower me six feet down, and they throw dirt upon me, and I'm laying there in that cold, dark grave, he said, I know that my Lord Jesus Christ will come for me, and he will pull me from that grave, and he will comfort me, and I'll be at his side in heaven. And that really hit home to me. That really helped me. That was a long time ago I heard that, obviously. But that really hit home to me. Because I thought to myself, is that what I want? <laughs> when they lower me into that grave, because we're not going to live forever, do I want to be like the unbeliever who believes or the atheist that believes there's no God? I mean, is there really nothing out there after this except a cold, dark grave? 
is there really nothing out there for me after this? Is there nothing? Except maybe to come back as a, as, as a fly or as a cat that live another seven, eight years? I mean, is this really all there is? And I refuse to believe that. And I refuse to believe that. So I believe that when the day comes that my time will come, whether it be a second from now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now, I believe that God will come and take me out of that, out of that prison of death and I will be with him. For the Lord said, I, prepare, I go out to prepare a place for you. For where my father is, there is many mansions there. And a place will be prepared for you, for those who believe upon me. When the Lord Jesus was hanging from the cross, and those two thieves were alongside him, and the one thief said, Dear God, please remember me. He, he used those words. He never said anything to the other one. There was never even a look to the other thief that was on the cross. Nothing. But the one thief that said to him, Remember me now, Father, Lord Jesus, for I believe you are the Son of God. And the Lord Jesus said, I will remember you this day, for I prepare a place for you in my Father's house. No more words comfort me to know that. No words comfort me to know that. I've said it many times, that when you ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart, when you pray to him and say, Lord Jesus... I believe that I am a sinner. I believe, Lord Jesus, that I can never get out of my sin. I believe that sin is ingrained in me from every atom of my body. It flows through my blood like a sickness and a disease. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that death is the only way for, for sin. There is no other way out of it. And I ask you, Lord Jesus, to please come into my heart and take the sin from me. Please take this sin. Please, Lord Jesus, nail the sin upon the cross with you. For I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you came into this world and you died for my sin. And I believe that my sin has been nailed with you on the cross. And that when I and I believe, Lord Jesus, that when you were born, excuse me, when you were raised again from the dead, I believe that I am also raised with you as a new person. And I believe that when the Father looks at me, he no longer looks at the, the, the Reverend, Dave, Reverend Matt. He looks at the Reverend Matt expression of Jesus Christ. That when the Father looks at me now, he, I believe that he sees the Lord Jesus in me and he now loves me because I love him, because I try and I do my best to keep his commandments. But, but, again, again, no matter how hard I try, I still sin. The unintentional sin, and there are even some intentional sins that I still do. So how do I beat that? How do I beat that? We just talked about it. I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart because the Lord Jesus is sinless and blameless and there is no sin in him. So when God looks at me, he's, it's like a stick of a shield. When God looks at me, he no longer sees this fleshly reverend man. He no longer sees this sinful reverend man. He no longer sees this man that still sins in the flesh every day, that thinks things in his mind, that does things every day. He no longer sees that. He sees his son. He sees his son is what he sees. For anyone who loves me and will obey my teaching, my father will love them. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is one is one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my father. 
and I too will love them and show myself in them. I too will love them and show myself in them. Everything I just told you is what I just said. John chapter 14, verse 21. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I will show myself to them. If you truly believe and you ask the Lord God to come into your heart, you ask him to forgive you of your sins, you admit that you're a sinner, there's nothing you can do, that all the good you can do in the world will not please God, that the wages of sin is death, and that there is no way out of this death except through Christ Jesus, who as the Lord Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, for no man comes to the Father except through me, for only through Christ Jesus can we be saved. Only through him can we be saved. And the only way that we can obey his commands is by asking him to come into our hearts because he is the only one that can obey the commandments of God. So the harsh reality here is, no, God does not love the sinner and hates the sin only. God does not love the sinner at all. That's the harsh reality here because God cannot love you. Again, I'm going to say it again. How can a loving father, how can a loving God then, because it's not a God that I would worship, how can a loving God that says, I love you, not allow you to with his kingdom? How can a loving God throw you into the lake of fire if you're not written in the book of life? How can a loving God do that? That's not a God that I want to follow. How can he do that? How can, how can someone, how can a God that says, I love you, Reverend Matt, I love you no matter what you do, I love you, and yet still not allow me to the kingdom of God? How can he? Because God cannot love the sinner. He, he cannot love the sinner. And it is not the sin, it's really God cannot love the sinner. God loves God loves you when you love him through Christ Jesus because when God looks at you he loves his son you become an heir of his in the God in the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus and you are given all the rights and you are given all that Lord Jesus has given through him because we believe in him he is the propitiation of our sin he took our sin he takes it from the world he takes your sin if you ask for it it's a gift that he gives to you and all you have to do is ask for that gift let us pray Lord Jesus, Lord God, thank you for the gift that you came to this world and you died for our sin, that our sins are the wages of death. And because of you, Lord Jesus, we are saved. Because of you, Lord Jesus, we have a life. Because of you, Lord Jesus, we are able to go into the kingdom of heaven. So when the day comes that we are lowered into the ground, when the day comes that they throw us into that six-foot dark hole, we know, Lord Jesus, that you are going to come and you are going to take us out of there and we are going to be with you and we are going to be at your side, that we are going to be in your, you are going to cradle us in your bosom and you are going to say, I love you, my good and faithful service because servant because you kept and you believed upon me and you, and you rode the race and you did well. Lord, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you have given us. We ask you, Lord, again to bless our country on this 4th of July. Thank you, God, for the blessings you have given to us. Thank you, dear God, for the blessings that we continue to have. And thank you, dear God, for all that we have in your wonderful name. Dear Lord, we ask you to bless those listening to this podcast. Help them that maybe, hopefully something maybe has, has rung into them. Help them, Lord, that they will be able to learn something today through, through me, that you used me. And that through me they'll learn something today, I pray, dear God. Watch over these people. Watch over our families and friends. Keep us safe, Lord. Please make your face to shine upon us and bless us today, Lord. And we pray this in the Lord Jesus Christ's wonderful blessing and wonderful, just wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right, folks. Again, thank you so much for everything. Thank you so much for being a part of this today again. Uh, love you all. God is there for you. God loves you if you believe in the Christ, in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
if you believe in him, ask him to come into your heart and the love of God will be in you. The love of God will be there. I promise you that. I promise you that. God bless you all. Bye-bye now.